Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and my dear friend, Conster Energy Drink, Connie, is going to tell <laughs> us all about Stephen D. Richards. Love the way you said that, because it fits the whole vibe. I took it back this week, like way back to like the 1800s. We are heading to the wild, wild Midwest. Not quite the wild, wild West. You know, I love a, a historical case, though. I know. I was thinking about you when I was looking through cases. I was like, mm hmm. Stephen D. Richards was born on March 18th, 1856 in Wheeling, West Virginia. When Stephen was six, his parents moved to Monroe County, Ohio. He, mo he moved around with his family a couple of times before they settled in Mount Pleasant, Ohio, in Jefferson County. Richard didn't attend school regularly growing up, and he didn't attend school after the age of 15. And that was the year that his mom died. After his mom died, he spent a couple of years doing, you know, odds and ends jobs. So like growing up, he was never considered a bad kid. He was never considered antisocial. He had friends. He went to dances. There wasn't any like significant abuse in his family. His parents loved him. His dad was a farmer, so he was gone a lot. He spent a lot of time just with his mom. He was, you know, pretty, for the 1800s, like a pretty normal kid. And for the I 1800s. want to, for the 1800s. And I want to add that some of these dates, like if you research this case, it's the 1800s. So some of the dates are going to be a little wonky, but I went with the dates that were in he gave a lot of interviews and like gave like in like his own accounts to like all of this. And he talked about like when he was born and stuff. So I was like, this guy probably knows the year that he was born. So <laughs> we'll use that. Between 1875 and 1876, Richards decided that he wanted to move out west for more adventure and he wanted to make his fortune. Prior to leaving, he met a girl by the name of Anna Milhorn and the two of them were actually engaged to be married. And even through all of the disgusting stuff we're going to talk about, he said that, quote, through all of my wanderings and wickedness, I kept up my correspondence with her. I may say that I loved her. At any rate, I loved her as much as I can love anyone. And he maintained contact with her all the way through the end of his life. And she maintained was, contact with him or was he just? Yeah, like it was like it was a mutual like they wrote back and forth. All right. So he would go around and he would find jobs working at farms as like a farmhand. He started hanging out with like a rough crowd, outlaws, bank robbers, you know, the whole shebang. He started passing counterfeit money like it would go from New York and it would pass through his hands. He would keep a lot of it and then he would send the rest out west. In February of 1876, Richards finally made his journey out west. He said that he left because he wanted to see the country, live easy, and avoid work. And I was like, hell yeah, same. preach. Like, I feel that. But, you know, you just can't, like, be a shitbag while you do it. So the first place he went was Burlington, Iowa. He visited a man named Bill Lee. Two separate words, not Billy. Bill Lee. Billy. And he operated a halfway house of sorts. He didn't stay there very long. And actually, the man that he stayed with was later, like, hung because he murdered one of the guys that had passed through his house. 
So again, he's really keeping just a top level, real high quality group of friends. From there, he went to the best kinds of people. From there, he went to Sun, Iowa, where he briefly worked on a farm. Sticking to his nature of not staying in one place for long, he headed to Mount Pleasant, Iowa, where he found a job as an attendant at the Iowa Lunatic Asylum. Again, it's the 1800s. You can't call like mental hospitals, like psychiatric hospitals. You can't be like, oh, it's the Lunatic Asylum. No, we don't do that anymore. His job there was literally to bury patients that had died. And I think this is really where he lost the connection to human life. He just started seeing people as just like bodies. He said that it took away some extent of feeling sympathy for mankind and that he could stand by a man and see him die with no feelings that he, no more feelings than he would have for a hog. And that by the time he left there, he didn't care for anything and he had no respect for human nature. So there you have it, the making of a monster. By the fall of 1876, he once again left his job and started to travel. He ended up in Kearney, Nebraska, and within two weeks of being there, he committed his first murder. He met a man that was out and about, and he ended up hanging out with him. They spent a night drinking, hanging out by the fire, playing cards. And during like the time that they were playing cards, Richards ended up taking most of this man's money. And this guy was like, hey, the way you did this wasn't honorable. And so like the two like got into like kind of a scuffle about it. But then they were just like went to bed. And I don't know about you, but if I met a stranger in the middle of nowhere on a horse and we were <laughs> like, hey, yeah, let's like drink and like have car- play cards. And then, like, he took all of my money and we got into an argument. I wouldn't be like, all right, we'll finish I this in the morning. I wouldn't go to sleep around that person. <laughs> I'd be like, I got to get the hell out of Dodge. Like, we got to, this is not the time. The next day, like, Richard's, like, got up and left. Um, the man ended up catching up with him. And he is like, hey, you need to give me my money or we're going to fight. And Richard's, we're like, gonna was like, I, yeah, he was like, I'm not fighting you. So he just shot him, like, right through the head killing him almost instantly. He then drug his body down to the river and just tossed him in. Richards then stole the man's horse, took it to the nearby town, and traded it for another horse. And then he was like, I'm going to lay low for a couple days. So he left town. But once he got back, there was um, just like a townsman. Is that like, like swapping hey. in like a stolen car for a different car? That's what I, like, it's I'm, exactly what it is. Like only like, it's like I'm going to swap this, of it. this brown horse in for this white one. No one will exactly. ever know. Well, this man comes up and he's like, hey, you know that man that you were with? And Richard's like, who? I've never seen any man ever. You're the I've first never man I've seen a man. I've never seen a person. <laughs> and he was like, well, his name was John and I haven't seen him around. And Richard stood by. He was like, nope, I have never seen this person before. He was like, every single man in this town is named John. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> it's 1876, it's like, of course. There's a million Johns. It's all John well, and Mark up in there. Richard's got nervous. And he was like, actually, because this guy was asking like a lot of questions. And it was clear like the man did not believe him because he had seen Richard's with this guy. And so he was like, okay, actually, yeah. Um, also I need help riding this extra horse that I have. Can you come with me and I'll show you, like, I'll, you know, we'll go out here. And the guy was like, yeah, let me, let me hop on this horse. And literally as soon as they got away from town, he shot the man through the back of the neck. He like was instantly. Yeah. 
self-preservation, that's going to be the theme of why he commits all of these murders that he commits. When he gets back in town, um, a woman named Mary Harlson asked him, have you been in a fight? And he was like, no, why? He's like, oh, you have a little bit of blood on your collar. <laughs> oh, nothing. Just the blood all over you. <laughs> and he was a little like taken back by the question because like he was like, oh, uh, well, actually, yeah, it must be the blood of the men I just murdered. And she was just like, ha, 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 ha. And like <laughs> laughed and they went about their day and no other questions were asked about it. Now, Mary Harrelson, we're going to learn about her later on, but I want you to keep her in mind. She's a very, unfortunately, it's a very, she's involved in a very sad part of the story. But like within two weeks of him leaving his job at the asylum, he he killed two men just like back to back, like no questions asked. Just like, oh, let's do this. And, and before then just, he hadn't killed any men. He, had he hadn't killed anyone. Married, he had yeah. married dead men, but not actually killed anyone. Yeah. And he had never even, in some of the articles, I, he was never even like described as being, being like a violent child prior to this. He had like petty crimes that he would do, but he was not a violent person. It's really like he worked at that asylum and then he just lost all emotional attachment to human beings. So after he murdered the two men, he traveled throughout the Midwest. He went to Wyoming, Colorado, Iowa, Nebraska, et cetera, et cetera. He ended up in Kansas City and Richards actually started feeling a little remorse for the crimes that he committed. And he was like, hey, you know what? I did that. It sucked. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to live my life right. So he took a job as a farmhand again. But almost immediately after getting to this farm, he got sick with a fever that lasted for six weeks and he had to be taken care of. And he said that yeah, the family took care of him. a long time to be sick. Yeah. He said, it the like, honestly, I wish it would have taken him out. Like just <laughs> based on what's the story, coming in the story there, like, oh, sorry, he died. The end. While he was there, though, he didn't get in trouble for anything. Like even after he like got better. He hadn't murdered anyone. He did um, leave, the, like he, he left Kansas City again, headed to Iowa, ending up in Cedar Rapids. Once he got there, he bought a horse and buggy with that counterfeit money that he was stashing. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take long for the man that he bought the horse from to be like, wait a second, this shit's fake. So he, the man found Richards and approached him and was like, hey, I know this money is fake. I want my stuff back. And then Richard was like, no, like you're not, nope, like almost like a too bad. And he was like, okay, fine. Happening. I'm going to have you arrested. So Richard's once again, self-preservation was like, okay, okay, I will take you to the horse and buggy. So the man followed Richard's out to where the horse and buggy were supposed to be. And what do we think he did as soon as he got out there? He shot him immediately. Murdered things. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. He said that like, because it had been so long since he had killed someone, he felt a little squeamish at first, but that he got over it pretty quickly and buried the body. Headed back to Kearney, he met up with a man named Jasper Harlson. Remember, his he is married to, or they say he was married. They couldn't, they never found like a marriage certificate, but to Mary Harlson from up what we had talked about before. She's the one who first noticed the blood on Richard's collar. Jasper and his friend were awaiting trial for stealing lumber off of the Platte River, although they never stood trial because Richards and a few other accomplices started to sneak instruments like to the jail and they were able to cut out of there and escape. And the town kind of went nuts for a while after that because like there had just been a jailbreak. 
So he was like, I'm going to get out of town, going to lay low for a little bit. So he just started hopping trains again. In March of 1877, the ruthlessness continued and he shot a man after the man got mad because they were so they were traveling together and Richards mm-hmm. woke up at like 3 a.m. And he was like, this is a good time for us to start our journey. Like, we'll be able to like make some good time. And the man was like pissed because he thought it was like midnight. And he was mad that Richards was waking him up so early. And he didn't believe that it was 3 a.m. Richards was like, look, I have a watch. And the guy would literally told It's funny, but it's not funny. It's funny the way the guy said it. The guy was like, I don't give a damn what your watch says. It's broken. It's not 3 a.m. You're a liar. And because that man called him a liar, he's like, I'm going to shoot any person that calls me a liar. And he is like, well, you are. You are a liar. And I have a gun right here that shows that you are a liar. So Richards pulled out his gun first and shot the man. So now we are up to three murders. He dumped his horse, like he always does, went back to Kearney, where he met up with some of his friends from his petty crime days, you know, a bunch of outlaws. On March 21st, the shocker came, though, because him and his friend were arrested. And not shocker that, like, he was arrested because he deserves to be 100 times over. Murdered murdered four people. people. But the shocker came because... Because for the murder, like the person that he murdered, it wasn't even someone that he had murdered yet. Like he had nothing to do with this crime. He ultimately let go, was let go because once they did like the examination, he proved that he didn't murder the man. And honestly, he was probably busy murdering someone else at that point. So he had an alibi. Okay. After Richards was released, after Richards was released, he wandered through Kansas, Colorado, Wyoming again, working where he could hanging out with a group of train robbers, committing petty crimes along the way. In February of 1878, he was arrested again, this time for larceny. And during this time, he reconnected with Mary Harrelson. Her husband was the man who escaped from prison. She's the one who, like we've said before, uh, noticed the blood on his collar. She was doing a little stint of time because she was also one of the people who helped her husband escape. And he escaped often from what I have researched. Mary was described as being of medium height, slender builds, sandy brown hair, gray eyes. She was inquisitive, a talker, very friendly. She lived at her homestead with her three kids, a daughter named Daisy, who was around 10, a little girl named Mabel, who was around four, and a little boy named Jesse, they called him Jasper, who was around two. The family really got along with Richards. He hung out with them. He spent time with the kids. They really took a liking to him. He was essentially like part of the family. And with Big Jasper on the run, he kind of stepped in like as like a father figure. In June of 1878, he said that him and Mary had reached an agreement that showed she would give him the deed to a portion of the property of his. She would, he would pay her $600 for the farm and the crops that were on the farm. He's like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to do this deal. I'm going to go travel a little bit. I'm going to go make some more money. And then I'll be back and we'll get this thing going in the fall. Mary, her job, she would go to different places selling books. And that's like kind of how she made her money. Like I said, Mary and Richards, they had a relationship of sorts. But Richards, no matter how he spends his words, no matter how many times he was He apologizes like later on. He is a disgusting and deranged monster. And I'm going to give you a trigger warning because this next part is pretty disturbing and it does involve crimes against children. Feel free to skip ahead. 
Mary was planning on returning to Illinois to spend some time with her family for the winter. The deed transfer was supposed to take place in October of 1878, but it was pushed until November 1st because um, Richards wasn't able to get back to the area in time because he was out being a petty criminal. On October 31st, the family was making preparations for their travel. Mary was making clothes for the kids for the winter. She was getting them ready. Richards was supposed to take the kids the next day, well, the family, to the train station so they could catch their train to Illinois. But unfortunately, Richards had already planned to kill the family over a week ago because, as told by him, she talked too much, she was too inquisitive, and he believed that she would turn him in. The two had spent quite a lot of time together. She knew a lot about him. She had went through his trunk at one point and she saw letters that he had written and received talking about like some of the crimes he's committed. And she had already assumed that he had committed murder. He came back from a trip, had blood all over him. So she, you know, again, this is 100% just for self-preservation. This guy was such a coward and he preyed on someone who trusted him and honestly, I believe loved him and not just her, like her children as well. So early in the morning, Richard woke up before the sun even was up, way before everyone else, including another man who was staying at the home. This guy was like a friend of Richard's and Mary. His name was, they just refer to him as Brown, which a lot of these people, they just use their last names or they use aliases because they're all criminals wanted. Um, so Richard's like woke up. He sent Brown down to the stable to feed the animals. Richards went out and dug the grave that he would later use to dispose of the bodies of the family. On the way back to the house, he stopped multiple times just looking around, waiting for someone to jump out and try something because he said that he was just so ready to kill someone that he would have killed his best friend had they jumped out. Yeah. Once he got back to the two-room house, he went to the room where Daisy and Mabel lay in bed with their mom and Jesse slept in his crib. Daisy moved a little as he stood over them, whispering in her sleep for her mom, but she went back to sleep, and he said that had she kept talking, he probably would have lost his nerve, but he instead walked over to where Mary was and raised an axe and struck it on the left side of her head, following it up with a second blow near her temple. He then moved on to Daisy, hitting her twice with the flat side of the axe. After he thought he murdered Daisy, he immediately hit Mabel once with the flat side of the axe on her forehead, killing her instantly. He says that none of the family woke up during this attack, but honestly, with all three of them sleeping in the same bed, I do not see how that is true. Mm. He then went to Jesse's crib, striking him three times. While he stood there just looking at the four of them, Daisy moaned and cried out, so he struck her two or three more times until he knew that she was dead. Dude, this guy lost it. Like, Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, it was such an escalation. He was snapped. He then took the family to the grave that he had previously dug, with Mary being first, followed by the two girls, and then Jesse. He covered the family with a blanket and some straw, and he said, so when they found the bodies, because the bodies wouldn't be found for over a month, and when the bodies were found, they were like, he completely annihilated the baby and he broke his, le like, broke the baby's leg. And very, like, callous and, like, almost casual when he was talking about it. He was like, no, I, if his leg was broken, it was from when I tossed him. And, the whole, like, literally said it tossed Ew, him in the hole. Still, that's the worst. I was like, what the 
fuck. Like, that doesn't make it any better. That makes oh, it no, no better. When I toss the baby, when I threw him into the air, see? Like, sorry, a different time, fun. but that's what I pictured. So he, once he was, like, once he disposed of the bodies, he covered the family with a blanket, and then he put straw over them, and then he just went back home, cleaned up, washed his hands, made himself a breakfast before heading to the stables to get his friend, who was still working down there, and the pair left, just left town again. In continuing with his trend to just go find work on different farms, Richards found the work, found work on the farm of a man named Peter Anderson. Things were going well, like they were getting along, they didn't fight. Um, Peter Anderson was a Swedish immigrant, like he was just, you know, trying to make a name for himself, like with his farm. One night after Richards had made the two of them dinner, Peter Anderson got sick and he swore that he was like Richards was trying to poison him. He went to a neighbor and he was like, look, this guy that's living with me. Yeah, he's trying to kill me. Richards, like Peter went and confronted Richards and Richard was like, whoa, no, I, I'm not poisoning you. Which he said, like, he's like, I never tried to poison him. That's not my style. Like, that's not how I do things. It's like, no, you typically just brutally murder people. Yeah. But when they, the two of them like got into a fight and like they were like hitting each other. Peter started calling Richards a liar. He was like, you were trying to poison me. I know it. He, Peter went to reach for an axe, but Richards was able to pick up a hammer before Peter could grab the axe and he beat him to death with it. Then he just sat back down, finished his dinner, and then proceeded to drag Peter's body down to the cellar. But this isn't, Peter Anderson wasn't, you know, transients, like wandering around. He had friends, like he had people that recognized literally immediately that he was not there friends like ran by and they were like hey where's peter and richard's like oh i don't know he hasn't been here and they were like well we're gonna sit here until he comes and richard's just tossed him the keys he's like yeah you guys can sit here but like feel by, by all means but like i gotta go because he knew that the men would eventually find the body and that he was going to be the main suspect because Peter had went around to everyone saying that like he had tried to poison him prior to this. Soon after, once Peter Anderson's body was discovered and people were like, hey, yeah, um, Stephen Richards murdered this man. The governor of Nebraska offered a $200 reward for any information on his whereabouts, which is almost equivalent to about $10,000 now. He continued to train hop. He went through Omaha, Chicago, before eventually meeting up with freaking Jasper Harrelson. The man that, man that, like, and like, so it was Jasper Harrelson and the man that, like, he had escaped with. But this is the same man that he had just killed his entire family. He just met up like, hey, man, no long, no, like, long time no see. Just murdered a whole family. What's up with you? Anything cool? Yeah, it was his, it's Jasper's family. Like, it was his wife and three kids that he had just murdered. Yikes. Yeah. I don't even know what It didn't say. take long. Yeah, it's, I can't even imagine, like, you... That's the part to me that is like the most disconnected. Like there's something fundamentally wrong with you. Not saying that like shooting men that you encounter throughout your travels is not oh, like, like you're up to no good. Insane. I get it. I get it being in that time period and being like, oh, you're exactly it is a not different today. time. That's it's it makes sense to me. That's that's how an old Western would go. Like, but to insert yourself. In into this family you're friends with the father figure the husband and then you, you help the husband escape wife and children yes and like not even just murder them like prior to that you were living there you were essentially like having a relationship with her like 
stepping in, like helping the kids, like spending time with his kids. And then you just like decide as you're about to take over the like the farm, you know what? She's probably going to rat me out someday. I should kill the entire family. Nope. And not even just he had been shooting people up until that. Like you escalate to like murder the family with a fucking ex. No, no, that's not that's not cool. Richards was ultimately arrested in his hometown at the end of December, where he was later transferred to the Kearney Jail. He openly talked about all nine of the murders, zero remorse. When he went to trial, it only took a jury two hours to find him guilty, and he was sentenced to death. Um, He was actually, the trial was for the murder of Peter Anderson, and Richards had pled not guilty because he maintained that it was self-defense. Bullshit. He was sent. Yeah, exactly. He was sent to the Nebraska prison and was due to be hanged in April of 1879. On March 18th, 1879, Richards had a phrenological examination, which if you are not sure what that is, because I was like, what is this? It is the pseudoscience of phreniology. It's the study of a skull shape as an indicator of mental abilities. Um, it was oh, that's interesting. The German physiologist Franz Joseph Gall discovered this in the early 1800s. He claimed that the brain had multiple organs and that each corresponded to a different mental trait or ability. So they would number like based off of it was like a one through seven, and it would be based off of like. I'll be honest, I don't really understand it, but it's something like they would give a number to each of these like parts of the brain and that would determine what their mental capacity was. And this is like the, this is what he said that Dr. Moreland was the doctor who examined Richards. And this was the report that he gave, said Richards was 23 because he's only 23 at this point. Oh my God. I was picturing it was like a, like a 40 seven-year-old man who's like i know that's why i saved his beyond his last. years uh-huh he was average weight about 160 pounds stood six foot two slightly stooped in his shoulders a healthy strong organization brain is average in size and weight and high long and narrow in shape his head was remarkably high and narrow in the crown and much less than the average in width above the ears. His head is so noticeably narrow through this part, I almost consider it a deformity, is what this man said about him. His head is prominent in front of the ears, but narrow. His forehead is well-formed, blah, blah, blah. His eyes are dark gray, medium size and fullness, and have a cold, restless, defiant, far-off, unhappy expression. And then it goes to talk about like his skin color, like he's medium complexion, his hair. He has a pleasant and smooth voice and would not unfavorably impress any stranger unacquainted with his dark deeds. His head measures 22 inches in circumference and the size of the organs of the brain. And then he goes on to just like describe the different organs, which his his big dumb head, his big dumb head. (laughs) That's exactly his, his narrow, big, his big, narrow head. Big, dumb, narrow head. I picture Frankenstein, like Frankenstein's monster. You know what I'm saying? I pictured um, like a bean head. <laughs> a bean head. Like a big, tall, well, 6'2". And that's pretty tall back then, I would say. Like 6'2", like kind of hunched over with a bean head. 
Because he said it was so narrow, it was almost a deformity. And I just pictured a big, dumb bean head. You know what? And I it, hope if someone that is 6'2 is listening to it, they make that like their dating profile. Like 6'2 <laughs> so with too. a big, dumb bean head. Yeah, and if so, let us know how that works out for you. <laughs> and this, this man loved to talk about what he did. I got very big, like Carl Panzram vibes, not from him himself, but the way he just like talked very openly and like matter of factly about things that he did. Just kind of like, yeah, yep, this is what I did. It makes it feel like he's even more disconnected from it, you know? Like- yeah, that's what be- the only thing that like threw me off was. So he he had multiple visitors. He wrote letters, like corresponded with people in and out of prison while he was waiting to like for his death sentence. And he was interviewed by a reporter. And that's where a lot of this information came because they published it all. And um, at first he like his first confession, he talked about the murders of the Harrelson family. Very matter of fact, like gave the details about what he did. And then leading up to his like hanging he did a second confession where he like distanced himself from it. Like he said that he didn't do it. And he said that he regretted talking about it like that, that he even regretted discussing like when he talked about like his female companions that he had and like his, like he regretted mentioning them like their names because he didn't want them associated with him just because it would give like bad notoriety to them. Mm-hmm. And so it was, and that, so I was like, okay, so now you're not taking credit. Like you have already like confessed to murdering the family. But I think that was almost too much for him in the leading up to it because, you know, they're not going to people. You're right. Like it's the 1800s. People are not thinking anything about an outlaw murdering other men. It's the fact that he murdered his family. That's everyday life. Yeah. But it's the fact that he murdered a family with an ax that was really like, whoa. On April 26, 1879, at 12 o'clock p.m., Richards was taken to the gallows where he would give one final speech. He said, I stand here a victim of law. You have your opinion. I mine. I was found guilty of murder in the first degree. Condemned men don't consider a sentence just. I have made my peace with God and I'm going to a better world and would sooner leave this world than not knowing what I what has been said. I hope to see you all in heaven and shall expect to meet many there who are now traveling the narrow way. I have a father, brother, and five sisters to mourn my loss. I would rather that they were in a far off country so they would not know my fate. They would, they'd know it to their sorrow and the time I go. I hope to meet all where crime never comes. And as he spoke, he just like stood there with his hands folded. Drop it. And then they... They well, that's what they did. They covered his head with a hood. He let out a laugh, and the platform fell out, and he was hanged in front of the town. And right he before, yeah, he laughed. Dirtbag. And after he he met with the same reporter again, right before he was like hanged, and um, he he said he was like, okay, I did this, like I did murder the Harrelsons. I am deeply remorseful. Yeah, and they, that's the thing. It was like, yeah, we know. Like, tell yeah, something. Yeah, like, obviously, ding dong. Abby, we dumbass. We already knew this. But he was like, I have repented. God forgave me. Yada, yada. Doubt and it. it's like, I hope he didn't. I hope you said something wrong. And then you get up there and they were like, uh, Stephen D. Richards. Stephen D. Richards. Nah, man, wrong elevator. <laughs> Just drop his ass down to hell. <laughs> Sorry, you get the broken one. Do, 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 do. But I, like, I think that, like, he... 
had he not murdered the Harrelsons, like, I still think he would have been hanged because he was found guilty of murder. But I don't think they would have called him, like, bloodthirsty. Like, his nickname, again, with these cool-sounding nicknames, the Nebraska Fiend. Fiend. Yeah. Fiend. I was like, hmm. Uh, yuck. I don't Did understand why. Case, though? I know. It just sounds, it's not like you're, things were just so fucking different. different back then. It's so different yeah. back then. Like, obviously, it's still messed up. It's the same like when we did like Clementine and, you know, I'm pretty sure she, what was the word after she killed a bunch of people, the next brained, after she brained them all. Mm-hmm. Like it just, something about it sits differently than when you listen to like a modern case where it's happening. You're like, I don't know, times were different. It feels more. Yeah. He feels further yeah, removed. I, I read that he was Nebraska's first serial killer and I was like, well, it's Nebraska. So wonder who their most recent serial killer was. I don't know. I did the case of Charles Starkweather. He was Nebraska. No, that was Nebraska, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was think I was trying to think of another one that we had done with it, and I couldn't think of any. You know what I think shocks me every time? And look, I know that every state has its shit. Don't get me wrong. I know it. But I always get so taken back when it's states like Nebraska, Iowa, Utah, like I was just talking about this a little bit ago. Very unproblematic like, Wisconsin states. Wisconsin has crazies that come out of it. Like we all know, I feel like all of our craziest episodes are always Louisiana. Sorry, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Louisiana. True. <laughs> or like something in like the Pacific Northwest or California. But there's some weirdies out there. Well, I think it's kind of like um, it's it's not as big of areas. Like the cities aren't as big, so you don't hear about it as often yeah. and it's like we expect like you know crazy murders coming out of like la california big cities like we expect that sad but like it's kind of like statistics because like, of the uh, amount yeah. of people that live there that's old news it is messed up though. but i think of like iowa and nebraska and i'm like oh those people are pretty like unproblematic and then like you hear shit like this and you're like whoa there's some crazy well, people too that was an interesting one yeah thank you for telling it I but think that also, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, I just I still can't wrap my head around because he bounces like he literally says he murdered her because of like he didn't want her to turn him in. But it's almost like you were so close to having what you wanted. Like she was giving you the deed to the farm for six hundred dollars, and he said that he had like fifteen hundred dollars on him at the time, so he had and the that's money. only half my money. Yeah, like he had, and that's a lot of money back then. And he has money. He's about to have this farm. She was about to be out of his hair. She was going to Illinois for at least the winter. You couldn't just let her fucking go. It was like too much of a good thing, right? Like he couldn't mm-hmm. let himself be too happy. He was. Uh... That's kind of that I dead ass thought that. Yeah. I was like, it's almost like he. Self-sabotage has always been around people. Ooh. All these avoidant attachment styles. <laughs> Well, I thought about Clementine as well with this because of just people just fucking hopping on the trains like it's not a big deal. Just just like, oh, gotta go. Just hop on this train to fucking Colorado. Once you started talking, I was like, this does give me... But like a lot of the historical ones, I kind of always go back to Mm -hmm. that that case. I always... I always go back to like we've we've talked about like Carl Panzerab so many times and like I'm so fascinated with him as like a person and like the way his brain worked and like it's I it's insane to me and it's he would like do the that same one thing. case that you keep coming back to that you're like yeah is, that is the case it for always me. interests you he is the first serial killer 
and we have the episode up like I've read like multiple books about him and he has done some of the most horrific unspeakable things and he is the one like one serial killer where I'm like never stood a chance like hmm oh like it doesn't excuse what he did but I couldn't even find that with this guy I'm like dude you had like a family that loved you you had friends like why not just stick to counterfeiting money you fucking twat yeah, why not just stick to counterfeiting money? A real, a real noble criminal. Come on. Yeah. Hop on your train, go away, like run around, rob banks, whatever. You don't have to kill a family. Yeah, that does suck. Boo. Boo, Steven. But I hadn't heard of him before. I hadn't either. I was, I was, I was like, man, there's been so many like awful cases recently. And like, I was like, I need to take it back to like hundreds of years. <laughs> I need to take it back to hundreds of years. Because I can't handle anything any more recent. I'm out no, of it. No, I couldn't. How's your, uh, how's your spooky season starting? Oh, dude, I'm going to be honest. I've been so busy with fucking soccer and work that I haven't work. even... Work. Work, especially. Um, I watched our first... We started our Halloween movies last night. This is the first one I've actually got to watch. Um, watch? Zombies on Disney Channel. My kids. Classic. Classic. That's such a good love kids story. Are- also a big fan of the zombies franchise. I love it. The big I don't Zed love fan. it, but I'm a big Zed fan. Um, I don't love it, but I do have every song memorized. <laughs> Dude, I I jam those songs. That someday, man. Someday, I got it in my head, right? This could be, this could be. Yep. hundred yep. percent. It's such a good song. It bops. Who do you think the next monster is when they do like a zombies four? What do you think the next like are they doing monster? a zombies four? I thought they were done. It's just like a YouTube thing that they talk about, but like my kid talks about it all the time, so I think about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like when That's you get to... too into like a kid's it's gotta movie be vampires. And you start gotta start thinking about the lore behind it. See, I said vampires also, but my kid pointed out that there's water next to it, and it could be like mermaids or like sirens or something. And I was like, I can <gasps> see that also. Yeah, but they can't go to Seabrook if they don't got legs and they're just swimming. <laughs> Seabrook accepts all. Um. But they could, like, I don't know. I feel like they would work it in somehow, you know? Yeah, I and could that see seems, that. I would like to have a Disney, you know, franchise where they're introducing, like, classic monsters because they kind of did, like, the werewolves and they did um, Did zombies. they leave the third one on a cliffhanger? Kind like, of. And they, they did aliens, right? So it's sci-fi. Yeah. But then, I don't know. I would love to see. I think vampires, too. Or, like, mummies or oh, mummies something would be like cool. that. I, uh... This is like kind of a weird debate to have about this like fucking kids Disney movie. <laughs> I did the same thing when my kids were really into like the Tinkerbell movies, like the cartoon Tinkerbell movies, the newer ones. I started. Oh, like, yeah. We go through that phase, too. Yeah. Like way too into the lore of like, well, what happened with Tinkerbell? How does she get like, how did she hook up with Peter Pan? Like what happened there? I don't need to know that information, but I wanted to know. I just assumed they all died and she left. All the fairies were wiped out by Hook, and that's why she's just so pissed off all the time. That's why Tinkerbell's so pissed off all the time. How did she become... There's, and there's different Tinkerbells. Is she the Hook version of Tinkerbell, where she's just like a sassy Julia Roberts? Or is she the cartoon Tinkerbell, where she's a little sassy and like very jealous? Huffy? Yeah. Um, Hook is definitely the best iteration of Peter Pan. Favorite, and, hands down, every and time. And I will it fight wins. anyone yes. who wants to do to it. To the death. To the Not death. Great. Let's go. Well, it's I think so our good. next, 
we have we're watching zombies 2 tomorrow then zombies 3 on like when we get back from camping and then we go to halloween town it's the it's the very next one the next gotta series go to halloween watch. town mm-hmm. i'm not gonna Do lie you? not having internet has really put a damper on my uh movie oh, watching yeah i always halloween forget that you times. don't have internet every time yeah, it sucks sucks butts don't worry i'll remind you because i remind everyone anytime it comes up oh sorry. that's how I karen used to be karen was like i don't have internet <laughs> and I, would be I, like, I feel like fucking stupid i'm constantly saying it i'm like i'm oh, sorry i don't have internet like i'm a little bit better than you but also <laughs> i'm struggling deeply but what what a time to be alive with like hot spots like i worked at my son's soccer practice because my new car has like an actual plug-in so I like Ooh. plugged in my laptop and like had my hotspot going and like worked. And I was like, man, what's up 2023? This is the shit. This is the biz. Yeah. My mm-hmm. hotspot does come in clutch for like work, like working with you and doing this, but I can't, can't really like stream everything or else I wouldn't have enough internet to do this. Oh yeah. Cause it's like a limited. Yeah. Essentially it's just like, I can use it enough to like let my kids play games or I can use it to like get some work done, and that's pretty much it. I uh, my car came with Wi-Fi, and my middle son like ran through the like trial in like a day, yeah, just like down. fucking sitting in the car <laughs> on his tablet, playing Roblox. What was he playing? Uh, Minecraft. He plays Minecraft and Roblox, and there's another one, Brawl Smashers, or oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, I don't really know what it is, but it's some like weird little game that him and all of his friends are obsessed with. And Brawl Stars, I think is what it is. And okay. they just, they use, he, with, we had a soccer tournament and he sat in the car through the whole thing, connected to the Wi-Fi and just fucking burned through it. And I was like, well, that was a fun trial for no one except for you, son. Thank you. <laughs> Hope you had a good time. You know what? He didn't bother I, you one time during that game, though. He didn't. It was so funny because it was, it was a hot tournament and um he was fine like they the team had like ordered a bunch of like jimmy johns and stuff like for the kids to eat between games i said i was never more in tune with like this middle kid is mine then i was like hey you got to get out of the car come eat lunch there's other 10 year olds here and so he like reluctantly gets out of the car because like i had it like parked right where we were all sitting he reluctantly like gets out of the car i turn it off i'm like i'm gonna take this wi-fi out of here so he has to hang out well then other parents started being like oh how old is he i'm like oh you just turned 10 he's 10 said like five times like oh he's 10 as soon as other parents were like my son is 10 too and they would like call over like such and such come over here and hang out i looked (laughs) around 10 year olds joined together i looked around and he was fucking God, he was sitting in the hot ass car and he went there as soon as these other parents were like, come hang out with my kid. He's like, no, I'd rather sweat and die. And so I had to tell him, hey, kid, you can't sit in a car that's it's 100 degrees out here with the windows up playing your tablet. Like you have to. I would rather die. Yeah, literally engage. And I was like, oh, I feel you, son. (laughs) I understand that. However, get that out of here. Like, I feel you. Well. On that note, I, yeah, we can we can shut her down there. That's fine. Shut her down. Shut her down. Shut her down. Right. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. 
please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs)